0: I was venting to her, Oh, this this didn't work out and I'm frustrated and she let me get it all out and then she said, "Would you want it any other way?" Mm-hmm. And it really stopped me in my tracks and made me appreciate that and go, mm-hmm. "You're fucking right." Yeah. I do love it because if it was fucking easy,
1: then you'd be yeah, it would be no fun. You'd look for a way to make mm-hmm. it tougher. Absol- absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do we do in the gym? Yeah. Every time it gets yeah. easy we say, "Oh yeah, fuck. Load some more Put some there. weight on that yeah. bar." Yeah. Yeah.
2: Welcome to Living 4D with Ball Check. In this episode, Paul talks with the guys from Mind Pump Media. The Mind Pump podcast has been described as Howard Stern Means Fitness and ranks in the top 10 of health, fitness, and wellness shows with over 1 million unique listens around the world each month.
1: Okay, well, hey, guys. Hey, hey. I'm, hey. This is kind of wild because you guys like. We're the first big podcasters to come invite me to speak to you. And as I said on your show that we just did together, I totally dug how much fun you were having. And I've now listened to many of your podcasts. And I always enjoy the dialogue between. And I've got to watch you guys mature together. You are you move now like a, uh, shall we say, a mature pack of wolves.
3: Mm. Oh, I you like know, that.
1: I noticed that the first time that I got interviewed by you guys, you had a tendency to jump in on each other. Mm-hmm. So it would kind of leave me hanging like, well, who am I talking to? One minute I'm here. But now you guys are uh, like Russian hockey players, you know, you know where each other's at without looking and the puck's moving magically awesome. around and it's, it's quite fun to, be a part of. So when I decided I uh, was going to start my own podcast, one of the first, Penny said, well, who do you want to interview? I said, mind pump. Yes. <laughs> yes. I want to talk to mind pump. And, uh, and so I've been blessed to have some amazing people be happy to step up for interviews, but you're the first podcast in my podcasting career. So I feel like I'm kind of blessed. It's kind of like getting to go to Santa Claus for your first interview and say, well, you know, everybody wonders <laughs> if you're real. <laughs> we're, we're actually Claus.
4: honored. We're absolutely honored that you asked us. And when we sent the email to you to invite you down and you said, oh, I want to interview you guys too. All of us were like, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. You're still, <laughs> No hesitation. Yeah. You're one of our favorite people. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And then one of our favorite people to interview and talk with. So Great. Uh, yeah. Total. Yeah.
1: So I've got a list of 18 questions that I I – there, you know my podcast is called Living 4D with Paul Check. So physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. There's one four. Doctor um, Dr. Happy, Doctor Diet, Doctor Quiet, Doctor Movement. There's another four. All our lives depend on Earth, Water, Fire, and Air. There's another four. Om a u m underscore ah I awaken. Here I am. Ooh, I'm dreaming. What is your dream, baby? Why are you here? Mm, i I'm sleeping. It's been a great day or a great life. Time to put my head on the pillow and celebrate a little and underscore deep dreamless sleep. And then we wake up and do it all again. So there's another four. Then you've got Hegel's thesis, my idea, antithesis. Every new idea comes with challenges, doesn't it? Even a new relationship, it's sex is great for the first few months, but then reality strikes and we got to figure out how to grow together. So thesis is always followed by antithesis, uh, which is followed by synthesis. Now you've got wisdom, which needs to be followed by rest or you burn yourself out. So there's another four. So when I looked at how four was involved in all the important cycles that make life, I said, these are the things I need to talk to people about. So my... Program is living four D four dimensions, which there's many fours with Paul Check, and so I also have a system that I think you guys are aware of. I teach my students one two three four. What is a person's dream? Because that's what inspires them to be willing to change, right? If you don't know what their dream is, you're just Mm -hmm. telling them what to do because you actually assume they want to get better, and they may not want to get better because they think it means more responsibility or more doing a job they don't want to do. So one. What is a person's dream? Two, what's out of balance relative to the yin and the yang of creation? Where are you doing too much? Where you are doing too little? And don't bullshit yourself because you're the one that loses. Three, there's only three choices we can make in relation to any person, place, or thing. The optimal, the suboptimal, and do nothing. Four, four doctors. We, it, you have to be consciousness of what is happy making. You have, if you don't know what is happy making for you, how, how are you ever going to make yourself happy? Movement, we have to move our bodies to keep them healthy Diet, we have to know how to eat, right? Or we'll make ourselves sick and quiet. If we don't get enough rest, we burn out or we just don't participate in the world. So one love, two forces, three choices, four doctors, build your dreams. That's my motto that I teach. Mm. So I'm going to begin by working through some of these concepts with you guys. So my first question is um, a little introduction from – I'd like to hear from each of you so that the people that have never maybe listened to your podcast, I hopefully they they will now – I want them to know a little bit about who Sal is, who Justin is, who Adam is, and I know I know Doug's uh, running the whole show, but maybe we can share, or you can share what Doug Mm -hmm. means to you guys, or he can get up and talk. But there's there's four of us, dude, Paul. There's four of you. That's right. See how that happened. There's another important four, and you see, Jung spoke a lot about four because he says it's the number of wholeness, Mm. right? The three of you without Doug, what would you be?
0: Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. We would scary. not be. How about that?
1: I'll be, you'd be a bunch of guys <laughs> no, talking in a room. We <laughs> would have exploded. Yeah, <laughs> and probably. the room wouldn't go beyond the walls. That's right. And the phone would say, You guys should start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I know a guy named Doug. He'll help you out. That's yeah. right. So just give, just tell me what is it that juices you? Tell me something that makes me know. I think I know a little bit about Sal, not just he's a handsome guy with dark hair and he likes exercise and likes talking. Mm. Oh, man. That's it right there. Who are you? I want
4: to know who you are. You know, I, gosh, uh, I guess I'll bring it back to how I met Doug. Uh, Before that, you know, I had gotten into exercise at the age of 14, very insecure, skinny kid. That's what got me into lifting weights and working out. I was very analytical about it, the way I am with a lot of things. I'm... Sometimes people look at me and they think I'm a uh, you know oh you must have an athletic background. Or I remember the fir- when we first all met uh, Justin, Adam, and I, they all assumed that I was an athlete because I looked like I worked out, and they were all kind of shocked when I told them, "Yeah, no, I'm the worst athlete you'll ever run into. I like working out, but I'm uh, much more of an analytical type of an individual. And this right. is how I approached exercise and nutrition." And I went through that process of learning and growing. And at the age of 22, I opened up my first uh, wellness facility. Wow. And, uh, in the wellness facility, I had acupuncturists and massage therapists and, uh, I had a check practitioner in there wow. as well. And the, we, you know, the goal was to offer kind of total wellness services. My contribution was I was, I understood weight training and correctional exercise. I didn't touch the other stuff. Yeah. Um, Fast forward, I went through my own health kind of crisis, and I had to open my eyes to the other aspects of health, uh, including the wellness sides, including yes. meditation, including you know understanding food beyond proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, understanding yeah. hormones beyond you know testosterone only and estrogen only, and uh, that got me to a, a particular point. And then I met Doug. Doug came to me; he was actually my client. Right on. Yeah, he got brought to me by a chiropractor because he had some back problems. Doug had a long history of exercising and working out, so it wasn't, he didn't come to me as a, <coughs> as a total beginner. Um, he knew what he was doing, but he came to me because he had back pain. And through training with me, he it, a lot of my concepts were very counter to the popular uh, muscle-building concepts that you right. read in the magazines. Yeah, Like the progress he got, He maybe a few months into our relationship, he comes and he says, He says, Sal, if you ever have anything you want to sell or promote, uh, let me know. He goes, I know how to do some of that stuff online. Um, And then that's when I created the first program, fitness program that we sell um, through our podcast and through our, our other channels, which was Maps, the first Maps program. Great. And then we wanted to decide how can we promote this? How can we get this out there? Nobody knew me besides my local community. How can I build some authority? And we had some ideas and podcasting was one of them. At this time, uh, Adam and I were in contact through social media. We had some mutual friends, but I'd, I'd never really actually met him before. I knew of him. Uh, we were both top performers at Twenty Four Hour Fitness when we were younger, and so I knew of him that way. Yeah, that was about it. But I saw he had a large social media presence, and I wanted his opinion, so I sent him my marketing material. Adam calls me up right away, and he's like, "I love this. This is exactly what uh, the type of you know thing that needs to get promoted." And we got on the phone and we you know for about an hour we had a great conversation, and we decided, let's all start a podcast. Uh, we all met in Adam's living room. This is when I went, met Justin. This is when Justin and Adam met Doug, and it was from day one, uh, fireworks. And really, what it was was all of us, all of us wanted to bring integrity to the fitness and health space. We wanted to change the direction of the fitness industry away from contributing to health problems. And towards solving them. Cause for a long time, the popular fitness industry was selling insecurity, hate your body, get, get ripped in 30 days, take this pill, take this powder. Um, and it was just failing. Right. And we could see it left and right. And so we wanted to move it in the direction of helping, but also we were all in our previous jobs and lives, exceptional salespeople. And we, yeah. we understood communication. Yeah. And we knew if we're going to get people to hear us, we need to entertain them. And so, Mind Pump was born out of this entertainment-inform kind of model, right. and it seems to seems to have worked. So,
1: yeah. uh, I understand now the connection, but Justin, it's not very clear where you fit in, other than the fact that you showed up in in the meeting somehow.
3: Right. So, I actually worked with Adam previous to that. <clears throat> so, he was my manager when I was at Twenty Four Hour Fitness. And, uh, basically I learned under him and I learned under a lot of other really good trainers that sort of, uh, you know, brought me up to speed. I went to school out in Chicago and had just came back to get work and, uh, went underneath Adam's wing and, um, really kind of learned all, you know, how to train and, and, and put my hours in and then went from there to train by myself. And so that's really, um, to kind of go back to sort of the beginning of what brought me out to, uh, Chicago was, I just wanted, I wanted to be my own person. I wanted to figure out what I specifically wanted to do. And uh, that was my first sort of moment to uh, go more towards growth, growth mindset and like uh, get outside of my fixed sort of mentality. And uh, ever since then I've been addicted to that process of it, of getting really uncomfortable uh, and, and, you know, health and fitness was a perfect fit for that. Like yeah. I just found that every day I could improve something upon myself and specifically, I was drawn to athletics, and so what brought me out there was football mm-hmm. so uh this is where I could express myself and 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 get out a lot of this anger and frustration <laughs> all this kind of stuff It was I, a really healthy outlet for me yeah I, I played football, yeah I know it's what it's like
1: to just release all your power into somebody, <laughs>
3: <laughs> so yeah, so I enjoyed that for a while, and that was that was my thing, but I just realized quickly it was only going to a certain level, and i you know i wasn't physically i didn't have the gifts to then propel me into you know having that as my career so uh came back here and then was just really looking for something to motivate me and drive me and uh and that's how i got into to personal training and i just loved it i just loved uh the everyday interactions with people i i very much and i might seem like the quiet reserved one and all that like uh in a group setting but for the most part like i really love connecting with people one on one yeah and so that was something that was really um, part of the job I just I, I looked forward to it every single day because it's it's constant feedback and then it's constant assessment for me then to uh, use new methods. Uh, you know, I was purpose driven to where I, I sought out more education, uh, you know that I could then take that career path and then create my own career path out of it. And so anyway, all that led into, uh, later on Adam had just uh, finished up with his cannabis uh, uh, business that he was running and we just reconnected and I was like man like why haven't we connected why aren't we doing something together like we did so well uh at twenty four hour fitness together and uh I, at the time I had this idea for this for this app and so I just I, I was very driven by uh you know my experience training people I wanted to duplicate that so i apps at the at the time were huge and so I was like, Yeah, pitch them this idea. Uh, you know, fast forward we kind of went all in on that idea and uh we really wasn't going anywhere. Meanwhile we meet Sal and then this felt like something. Yeah. And it felt like something right from the very beginning. And
1: Yeah. The chemistry's alive. It's palpable. Yeah. <laughs> like I say, you're you feel to me now like a, a mature pack of wolves that have eyes in the back of your head and know who's doing what when they're doing it. So, you know, this, this happens when, uh, people dance together a lot, sing together a lot, mm-hmm. or, uh, go through rituals. You know, if, I don't know if you ever, uh, read the book, is it called something fire, stealing fire? Yeah. Yeah. What mm-hmm. about the Navy SEALs? Uh-huh. Yeah. And how they have Flow to, get, they have to get below the ego so that the Navy SEALs are functioning as a unit. Right? This is mm-hmm. what I'm talking about when I say functioning like a wolf pack. you're yeah. mm. you're paradoxically beyond the conscious thought where okay, what's he doing, what I'm doing? It's just natural. It's funny you say that it's funny you say funny because we're all, all you put any
4: of us in a room and we're all very alpha. We've all been leaders. Uh, you know it, all of us tend to take charge. but for some reason, it works so well with us in the sense that if Justin takes the lead on something, Everybody else moves behind and follows orders and works together. Mm -hmm. If Adam takes the lead on something, if I take the lead on something, if Doug takes the lead, we all work together in that particular way. Where And there's almost no question.
1: It's very seamless. And it's very strange because I've never worked in an environment Mm -hmm. like that Well, you know, uh, there's an interesting thing I'd like to share with you about that with regard to spiritual growth. It means that you have enough conscious awareness and respect for the level of alpha in each other To genuinely know when to become feminine. In other words, the feminine is the receptive pole. If you're alpha on alpha, you're not listening to what I'm saying. You're just trying to make sure I conform to your opinion Mm -hmm. or your directive. But generally when real strong intelligent men get together, they're smart enough and strong enough to see when they're in the presence of another strong intelligent man Especially if he's got intelligence or unique strengths that they don't have and that's when we become feminine and we learn actually from men that we highly respect to allow ourselves enough to listen and be present with them and that's the feminine pole. Mm. So strong, healthy men can actually inspire the growth of the feminine receptive principle and when I say you're not truly a man until you can be as feminine as you can be masculine and people think oh what does he mean they're gonna run around get a sex change or something but no I'm meaning until you can be as loving as a woman as nurturing as a woman as attentive as a mother as receptive as a female intimately like it's one thing to bury your penis in a vagina and be very aggressive and masculine about it. But it's another thing to listen to somebody that's in pain with your heart and allow them that deep inside of you mm-hmm. because it means connecting to another person's pain. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a real challenge for a lot of men. I've had to work hard because I was raised by a father that toughened me up and was, you know, don't cry just get the freaking job done or i'll kick the shit out of you so i had to suppress all that so when i started getting around people in a lot of pain I, I wasn't given the permission to be in pain so i had no way to bring it into me but we what i'm seeing in you guys is you're actually giving each other a chance to truly respect because you respect each other to become receptive and to let each of you inside the other So that there's a penetration that's beyond sex. It's Mm. spiritual penetration. Mm. So congratulations. I spiritually penetrated the
4: shit. (laughs) I'm sweating over here.
1: (laughs) As long as you don't have a tent rising up. (laughs) Otherwise we have to start again on this conversation. (laughs) Halfway there. Halfway there. (laughs) Well, that's God. Yeah. Yes. So here's my next question on the hit list. In my system, number one is one love. So I'd like to know what is love to each of you? Oh, geez. You know, what is when, when you're, when someone says, I love you, question. or you say to somebody, I love this? I believe, I believe it's. What does it mean to each it, of you? I
0: believe it's. This isn't
1: a wolf pack. I want to hear from each of you. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, all right. I believe it's when I love something equal to or more than myself. Very good. That's, that's what I think. And so what is it that you mean is happening when you say love? Well, then I think that would be like the dissolving of the ego, I think. I think that's where um, I you have this ability to to truly give all of yourself to to someone or something else. And I only think that's possible once you have fully, truly loved yourself. Otherwise, you can't give any love to somebody else.
1: Okay, so... If I'm hearing you say correctly, what you're saying, love is to you is is to be as present with and connected to another as you are to yourself. Yeah. Mm. Good. How does it feel when you do it? It feels amazing. It's a it's a it's an
0: ongoing practice, though. It I, is an ongoing practice. I don't think it's a destination. I think that life reveals uh, many obstacles that will challenge this. Yeah. Um. But I think if you have the right uh, attitude to embrace it uh, and, and go with it and grow from it, I think that you'll uh, ex- continue to experience uh, greater levels of it throughout your life.
1: Now you know why I'm concerned about people that don't get to have clean water and eat real food. True. That's what love is to me, too. You understand? That process you just described keeps growing until you wake up one day and you go, oh, my God, everything's inside of me. All the birds, the bees, the bugs, the trees, the ugly people, the angry people, the wounded people, the beautiful people, they all are some aspect of me and I couldn't be who I am without them and they couldn't be who they are without me. And now you know what love Mm. means Mm. at its potential, right? Mm.
3: Yeah, I was going to say authenticity.
1: Yeah? So tell me, what is it? how does that play out? If Justin's loving me, what can I trust is authentic about it? Whatever I feel like
3: um, you, you deserve in terms of, um, you know, whether it's empathy or mm-hmm. it's a teaching moment or um, you, it, it, it's, it's what's going to embetter you mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, fill you up and give you what I can give. But I definitely have to make sure that I have uh, myself full. Mm hmm. But being authentically myself, I feel like I'm able to then love.
1: So does that also mean in your code that if somebody wants love for you or maybe even needs love from you, but you know you genuinely need to love yourself right now for whatever reason, that you're capable of saying no when you need to?
3: That's what I'm working on. Yeah. I, th- I don't think I always apply that. It, you know, there's there's times where it's a struggle it's cuz i want to give a lot more a lot of the times and i feel like i could pull you know that 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 on myself you know and, and recharge a bit yeah um but I, again this this is the 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 this is where i am in life in terms of having kids and having a family and um i could get caught into really being focused and projecting all of myself into them and so i've learned to uh in basically look at my own Health and well-being, and um, where I am in terms of where I want to go, and and it, if we're all in the same vision together, um, that's been way more, way more effective. And I felt like I have more to give.
1: Yeah, you remember when a guy named Paul Check was on your show, <laughs> and you guys said, "Okay, call me the flower. I look <laughs> at us. <I> said <laughs> you were the lover. You're uh, the lover. Oh, he's the lover. The judge, the lover, and the. Warrior. Oh, that's right." the ass kicker that's it. <laughs> so uh that's lovely sal you know what is love what is happening in you what is love yeah there
4: you go mm. uh i you know when i when i think of love i think of my kids not that that's what means love but it just the image pops on my kids yeah i'll tell you a story so when i was probably when i was i want to say 28 maybe 28 years old i uh went out to big sur and went camping with some friends and uh was practicing meditation up until this point my history with exercise was uh, i need, i wanted to build as much muscle as possible all yeah. the time uh, for since I was 14 till that to that point and i did a lot of things to my body mm-hmm. that weren't good they weren't good for my body they weren't healthy and my body was starting to rebel and at this point uh you know i don't remember how old i was let me think my son's 13 he was probably 3 years old so it's got to be at least 10 years ago he was a, he was a young boy, and I was sitting there meditating and thinking, and you know, having children is a phenomenal way to reflect certain things to you. It's actually one of the most. Oh yeah, they're a mirror, <laughs> it, and it'll it'll give you a sense of meaning like nothing else. And I, I I was sitting there and I was thinking of my son, who at the time was you know two or three, and I was thinking of all his qualities, and it's the first time I'd un- I'd really un- felt this unconditional love is when I could think about my son, and I thought about how. He looked and how he was, and you know, and my friends were asking me, you know, why I was getting emotional. They were asking me, you know, tell us about your son. I said, is he is he real athletic? Is he going to be athletic? And I said, no, he's probably going to be just like me, you know. (laughs) And and I started thinking about that, and I started thinking about how much I hated that myself, Mm -hmm. but how I how how charming and how much it made me love my son even more. Yeah. And I thought to myself, why can't I? Love yourself. Why can't I love way? myself that way? Yeah. And it was a it was a dramatic shift in that moment. And from that day forward, I my, I really changed the way I treated myself. And so when you say what is you know what is love, I think it's interesting. Love is you know with my kids, I'll talk. I'll bring them up again. Um, some people think you know, oh, I love myself. That's why I I, I eat whatever I want because I don't want to give myself restrictions or what. When I feed my kids, I don't let them eat cupcakes every day. No. That'd be terrible. Yeah. Sometimes though, yeah. I'll let them have a cupcake, but most of the time I'll feed them properly. And so love is, it's, it, it's both giving you what you want and giving you what you need. It's, um, treating yourself in a way that will help you grow and understand those things. And many times that means, uh, things are going to be painful or things are going to hurt or be yeah. difficult. So I think love is, uh, it feels very good even when it feels bad. Um yeah. and I, and that's when I think of love and it's kind of abstract but that
1: that's what comes to me. Well, love is, uh, you know, love is uh highly subjective. You know, I've had many of the kind of materialist mindsets, scientist mindsets in my class saying things like, "Oh, you can't prove that astral fields, astral travels, remote viewing." You talk like this stuff is real. Well, there's no evidence for it. I think it's a bunch of bullshit. And I say, "Oh, is that right?" So. What you're telling me is if you can't weigh it and measure it, it doesn't exist in your model. Well, basically, if science can't identify it, it's bullshit. Oh, say good. Tell me about love. You believe in that model. (laughs) I say, okay, then I have a question for you. If we put love in that category, does that mean love doesn't exist? Does it mean it's not even worth being involved in because you can't weigh it or measure it? And ask yourself, what would science be like if we took all the love out of the scientists? Would it be good science or would it just be mechanistic garbage? And not one person that's challenged me on this sort of if you can't weigh and measure it model model, they they all realize love is more important and they cannot define it objectively. So I always say, remember the objective cannot exist without its complementary opposite, the subjective, and love mm-hmm. is the subjective essence of life and everything that's objective is somehow included in it because even if you can say I'm touching the frame on my mic right now or two plus two is four or that mountain is 7,400 feet tall or I'm wearing black shoes, all of that's coming from your perception of consciousness, which is subjective. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. No matter how objective you think you are, it's all based on a subjective perceiver. So love being subjective actually is superior to the objective because the objective cannot exist without the subjective. Mm. So there we have the importance of God because God is the subject which is perceiving all objects. Are you going to ask us what God is next? Not, not, <laughs> not, not, talk about too, AI. not too quickly. I've got to warm you up. <laughs> okay. So, um, Doug, do you have anything you want to add? I think you've covered it well. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, how important do you guys feel having a dream is?
4: Oh, geez, you have to. Even if you don't have a dream, you have a dream. Everything that you – what I mean by that is whether you define it or you don't define it, you will operate in a way that demonstrates that something is your ultimate driver. dream yeah. or yeah. driver. Hmm. So better off identifying what it is and making sure that you – you live your life in a way that is moving towards your dream better to do that than to pretend like you don't have one because you're going to have one. You just, you'll live, you'll live that way. And it may be that your dream is more money. It may be that it's more money or more power or more, more women or more drugs. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's, I think it's extremely important to, to, uh, to, to talk about what your dream is, to identify what it is. Um, and then live as if you believe that that's your dream. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I feel like, it allows you to define your purpose. Like if you start to construct, like if I have a dream or a vision that I'm clearly uh, putting all my efforts towards, I can, uh, I can, every day I can, I can put forth more, uh, more of this energy towards my purpose. And if I don't clearly know where I'm going, I mean, it's, I'm reactive. So now I'm, I'm experiencing life, but I'm not really taking the driver's seat and i'm not really implementing uh where i want to go with this so it's to me it, i mean you could anything like i remember you talking about <clears throat> you know helping people to heal and to just regain function out of their muscles and mm-hmm. um i mean how essential was that for them to want to heal want to reconnect yeah for that to even happen?
1: because healing's painful yeah uh,
3: it's uncomfortable
1: you, you, just to go in line with what you were saying i tell people if you don't know where you're going any road will get you there <laughs> yeah. yeah and i often quote psychologist jerry wesh who says if you when you have a big enough dream you don't need a crisis mm. and i also say to people if you don't have a dream i can assure you it won't be long before you have a nightmare mm. because you don't have any motive to gather yourself to do the things that are necessary to get energy to flow right. in a given direction so uh Tell me how important is a dream to you and and why
0: well i, I come Adam. from I come from a similar campus as, as Sal that I think that we all have a a dream a why or a purpose uh it's our it is our main driver I think many times we get uh deterred from that and go uh in in the opposite direction and may not realize it I think that that's why it's important to revisit that. Uh, to that 's your true north right um my personal dream I have this weird thing that it's is always been really important to me i don 't know if it goes all the way back to my my father 's death when I was seven or not, but i I want at my my funeral when when I leave this this meat wagon i I want to fill an arena up of people that i 've impacted positively in their life enough so that they would come and and be there for that.
1: And say goodbye. And
0: mm. say goodbye. So whenever I find myself wavering left or right or being or frustrated or down or whatever, I try and revisit that all the time and, and ask myself if v- how I'm feeling and the reasons I'm feeling that way aligns with this ultimate dream or goal or purpose. That's beautiful. Thank you, Paul.
1: So... My next question is, how are the values that you guys as Mind Pump use to guide your podcast different than a lot of other podcasts out there?
4: Ooh hmm. that's a good one you know I'll give you a great example, Paul. when we first started just the podcast, now we have other other you know platforms as well, but the podcast is how we started, and when we first started the podcast, first off, we didn't monetize for a full year, yeah. We didn't try to sell anything for a full year. Now, it wasn't because we're being virtuous or it was literally because we wanted to bring enough free value to people uh, that that they would ask us for something. And then we would be able to provide them with something, which is when we sold our programs. During the next year, we had supplement companies and sponsors knock on our door left and right. And we turned 99% of them down because, regardless of the money because value. they didn't they didn't – they didn't align with our, with our value, with our core values. Yeah. And it lost us a lot of money in the beginning. And we would have these conversations and we'd talk about these other companies that would take off real quick and make $5 million. And, and we're not, you know, right now we're, we're, we're just struggling. We're just starting. Mm-hmm. Our audience is growing, but we're not making a ton of money yet. And, but we all said, number one is our integrity. Number one. Mm-hmm. We will not change that. And, Congratulations. And we also believe in the long game. Mm-hmm. Now it's paying off. Uh, now, if we mention a, a product or mention something, people trust us and believe us. Yeah, But uh, but yeah, that, that, it, it's, for us, that's, the, that's one of the biggest things is to maintain that integrity, to be honest. And what we want to do is we want to bring – we want to be mavens. Like I have a lot of good information. Adam has a lot of great information. So does Justin. But we don't – you can combine our knowledge and it doesn't even come close to half of yours. Mm-hmm. We wanted a place where we could bring people on. Uh, that we could filter through the bullshit people a little bit and the genuine individuals, bring them on the show or on our platforms and get them out there and add that entertainment you know, quality that tends to hook people at first, You know, tends to get them to listen to us a little bit at first. And so that's really been the goal and that's still 100% our, our purpose is to use new media to get as many good people out there as possible and use our talents yeah. to spread it. Uh, as far and wide as, as as we possibly can, because you know this new media technology just it represents an ability to spread information i mean it makes the 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 printing press revolution
1: look like Yeah, it's like a slow too like slow. nothing yeah, nothing dead so uh if I could ask an extension of that question for each of you, give me one or two of your personal must have and must not have rules for yourself, oh who wants to go first in relation to the <laughs> podcast or just in general well you can give me i would like to know something that's part of your own operational system what is it that you pretty much must have to to be at peace with yourself each day and what are what's something that you must not have or engage well, in
0: well i know i just did a i did an instagram post the other day and it was just this candid photo that Eli had caught of me laughing, and the caption of it that I wrote: it's was, "Very attractive." <laughs> thank yeah. you. You're welcome. The caption that I wrote was: "If you're if you're not having fun doing it, you're doing it wrong." Yeah. And that is a that to me means uh, th- that's the true definition of success for me is I I want to enjoy this however long I'm here, however long I'm in this body or I have this consciousness or whatever is happening right, whatever your beliefs are. I want to enjoy that process to the fullest and I'm in search of that on a on a daily basis. So that's a, a non-negotiable for me. So I, and I think that I think we share this because you know, we 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 have found a really nice balance of work play mm-hmm. and I I I it's the first time in my life I've done a lot of businesses, I've had a lot of financial success in the past. Mm-hmm. Never in my life have I been a part of something that I could see myself doing for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because we all kind of share that, that at the end of the day, the the monetary success that we have is a byproduct of the fun that we actually get to have. And Mm -hmm. that is, uh, I think, part of my core values. And I think I chase that on a a daily basis. It's a different way to, to look at the work. Like,
3: I could be... Anxious, or I could be excited about it. And it's like the same response, but now it's how I and how I choose to to operate for that day. So that's that. It's definitely to echo what, what Adam's saying is 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 something I share. I want to I want to come into work with the energy that I want uh to be involved in, and I want that to be fun, and I want that to be um, purposeful, and I want. Um, I I I'm still very much want to accomplish. So there's that work-driven side where you know I'm showing up to work to get things done. Yeah, and and so that's it's not all just you know fun and jokes and, um. But why why you know torture yourself? Uh, Yeah, you, you know in this world. And I feel like that's something I try, I try really hard now to, to make a priority of not like always hammering myself that I'm, I'm, I'm not doing good. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing mm-hmm.
0: that. It's all about our perception, right? I'm, I just had, it wasn't that long ago I was driving because I mean, I say that and just, we all say that. And I think we all agree that doesn't mean that there's not work involved. It doesn't mean there's not challenges, but we touched on this when we were interviewing you. It's just, it's learning to even embrace those and actually love those challenges. Right. So I was driving home mm-hmm. and and I, you know, called Katrina, and I was venting to her. Oh, this this didn't work out, and I'm frustrated. And she let me get it all out, and then she said, "Would you want it any other way?" Mm-hmm. And it really stopped me in my tracks and made me appreciate that and go, mm-hmm. "You're fucking right." Yeah, I do love it because if it was fucking easy, then you'd be. Yeah, it would be no everybody. fun.
1: You'd look for a way to make mm-hmm. it. Tougher. Absolutely. absolutely. (laughs) What do we do in the gym? Every time it gets easy, we say, oh, fuck. Put some weight on that bar. You know, years ago, I
4: had a a conversation with a friend of mine. It was actually the debate, and the debate was what motivates people, what gets people to really put themselves into something. And she was saying, you know, when you have a company, what really motivates people is money. you got to pay them good money, and that's what really motivates people. And I I, I disagreed with her. And, you know, I told her, I said, you know, you will not find a harder-working group of people than volunteers, it's yeah, true. It can very true. Volunteers yeah. will put their blood and sweat into something because yeah. they have purpose. Yeah, for me, a non negotiable is that is purpose. Is if I got, come, to, if I come to work and I feel like what we're doing yeah. is for a purpose, a greater purpose, then then that for me is everything. And the purpose for me is not. I like the monetary stuff. I like all that other stuff. That's great. That's all part of it. But it has to be part of this. Greater purpose, which I expressed earlier, which is to really help shift the fitness industry to put to help turn it into a space that actually becomes the solution to our health and, and, and mental problems.
1: It's a good thing our mothers were volunteers, or we might not be here. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> they might have sold us. That's true. <laughs> Take this kid, give him ten bucks for him. <laughs> I never even thought of that. But one thing I want to get out of this that I read, I, I heard a lot of the the beauty of the must have and and why you're doing it. I want to hear something from each of you. Where where is there a, a, I will not put up with this. I Mm -hmm. won't do this to Mm -hmm. myself or I won't allow someone else to do it to me. I mean, what's there's gotta be a hard edge in some of you guys Mm -hmm. where there's just certain things you won't put up. with. I I think uh,
0: I have one and I, and I, we, we get moments of this, I think, and that's uh, this feeling of, of disrespect. It it feels Mm -hmm. this way and something that again that i think we all have in common is we will will give the shirt off our back for somebody and i think that there does become a point where after i've given so much that some people are are so greedy that they just take yeah, and take vacuum yeah and at and at one point you have to be smart enough and aware enough to recognize when they are they're pulling so much energy from you that it doesn't allow you to love more or give more no. and to truly help and so I I do have these non-negotiable types of you know cutoffs of a relationship that I'll do again I'll give the shirt off my back I'll put you on a platform I'll do everything I can to help you but if I then feel like
1: there's no reciprocity or you're taking
4: advantage of or, right yeah. and
0: and and I and I really feel like I I don't ever, I don't give with the intention of I want something back. That's not how it is. But there does become a point where I've exhausted myself to help, help you and you don't see it or you, you don't reciprocate it. And to me, I've had, I have a ability to do this, uh, that I think some people struggle with. This is I, I can cut ties. I can say "Enough enough is enough.
1: Sometimes we facilitate those behaviors if we don't, um, disengage or be very honest i mean some people just True. aren't brave enough to be honest to people so they just go off and parasite 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 i tell people you got to remember love is a boomerang so the circumstances of your life are showing you exactly what you're putting into the world and at some level and it's always important to pay attention but we have to have this is why i'm asking you guys because we don't really know some you know we we we, we know a little bit about people by what they do do but we often know them more by what they don't do So, what, where's one of your must not haves that's important to you? What's a line that you won't cross or won't let someone else cross? You won't let Adam make out with him. Yeah. yeah that's so right. I so try to sand. Yeah. aggressively. Is that right? I'm, I'm no, not exactly.
4: no, it's not right. It's fine.
3: He never tries. You see his lips. I actually wish he'd try. Yeah. It, honestly, just to echo, uh,
1: I can't wait to see you guys at about five grams of mushrooms. In <laughs>
3: <laughs> the sexual tension. is yeah, It's so tense here. <laughs> uh, no, I, I have to like echo the same thing. I mean, I just, I think we just give and and we're so passionate about trying our best to uh um you know be as as authentic as possible have as much integrity as possible go above and beyond and um do what everybody else isn't doing and um you know present information to people and and help them in any way we can that if you know if somebody kind of turns around and um we'll just uh, undervalue that in yeah. any way. It, if, if it's something they said, if it's an action they took um, and you know, and it's these things we they're forgivable, but at the same time, that's where I, I literally will just, I'll, I, I draw the line and I'm done. I just don't have a conversation about it until you're ready to come back and acknowledge uh, you know, that that was oh, okay. Maybe I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have done that action or, you know, sort of puts the responsibility back on them to be able to see their their inaccuracy with that
1: yeah well you know as we were alluding to earlier love is uh love's got hey the rose has thorns for a reason man and love comes with some blood sweat and tears and and she can be very tough and uh that's love is how God extracts consciousness out of matter.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Johnny Cash said, the, uh, doves have claws.
1: <laughs> yes, they do. Pat yeah. Benatar said, love is a battlefield. There you yeah, go. Yeah. I <laughs> like mine better. And Osho yeah. said, the beauty of love is that it never works. <laughs> and what he meant by that is, on, as long you as got you- ex- oh, I was uh, going to do like an
0: m M&M m quote, yeah. but that, one, didn't, that wouldn't have fit really well. <laughs> <When> <laughs> Osho, <modest> spaghetti. What,
1: <laughs> what Osho meant is that as long as you expect someone else to do it for you, you're always in a codependent mm-hmm. relationship. You're caught. Mm-hmm. It yeah. will never work to free you. You have to love yourself and take responsibility for yourself then love works Mm. so uh of the almost a thousand podcasts now yeah oh wow nine hundred approaching nine hundred yeah that's a lot of talking that's a lot of people um who are some of the memorable experiences that you've had that maybe you walked away from the podcast and had your head exploded with oh my god i understand something about life so much better or
0: you, you touched on one already.
1: You sent, you've sensed this, this person was so fucking genuine. That, like, you know, I listened to the one with the uh, bishop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, even though I didn't agree with some of the things he said, I, I thought that is a, a really good example of a Christian human being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he is making room in himself for the world and for other people and other religions. He has his own opinions about why he thinks Christianity is important, et cetera. But my only point is of the podcast I've listened to of yours, I wanted to hear every word he said.
4: Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm,
1: I wasn't doing something in the background going, uh, you know, okay, well, let me see how much I could, this I can take. But I was saying, there's somebody who's got. Harmony at the soul essence, who's really genuinely interested in life, love human beings, and has a honest pursuit of what God is, so i'm imagining as over nine hundred interviews there's been a few that left you going, Wow, you know
0: I think there's i think you've you've touched on a couple already um i th- I think you'd be surprised that there aren't as many as you would think in fact, I think there's a lot of people that we idolize because they've written books they've been on television they're famous Mm -hmm. and then you find out they're very broken so i think it's been very enlightening with with that i think that's been and i think that there's been a lot of good that's come of that when you when you find out like oh wow this on on the outside this person looks like they have everything together but then once i sit you down in this fucking chair Mm -hmm. i can see through all that stuff so i think that's been incredible but some of the best interviews of of the most harmonious people, as you put it, that I think have come in this room um, beside yourself because i would I would say that you 've been Probably one of the most enjoyable interviews for all of us. Crazy,
1: <laughs> yep. you like crazy guys. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're our
0: favorite. We, we recognize our own. Well, uh, yeah. you
1: know,
4: you
0: know, yeah. you know what we like is 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 people that are truly honest with themselves. That's
4: yeah. it. Yeah, you're about mm-hmm. as authentic. And and, and, and <laughs> you can right.
1: check on anything I say. That's yeah.
0: what, one of our t-shirts that we created a long time ago. We have a couple that you know never were great sellers, but it, it really personifies what we're all about, which is radical honesty. And and uh, authenticity. And I think w- w- I don't care what people think about the words that come out of your mouth. At the end of the day, there's some of the most authentic and radically honest words that have ever been spoken into that mic. Thank you. So y- you absolutely would be there. Uh, Bishop Barron uh, would absolutely be there. Uh, you-, you touched on Stealing Fire. Jamie Wheel was an incredible episode for mm. the topic, Group Flow and what we yeah. discussed. Stephen Kotler, Rise of Superman, who uh, was also on the show. Uh, was incredible. Um, those are four real quick that come to mind that were very impactful people uh, for me on that level. Now, we've met and we've had the opportunity to speak to a lot of educators or specialists in their field that I think I've gotten something from everybody.
1: Yeah, good. You know, so. Yeah,
0: definitely.
4: I, ben Greenfield is a good one.
1: Yes. you know when Ben's, Ben's a live cat. When we interviewed
4: Ben, we had a particular perception of him and even the first time we met and had the interview with him, we still kind of had this perception of him. But then we've, we've had him on the show several times and he's another, just, he's a very authentic, real person that what you see is what you get. And he's a great guy. Yeah. Mike Matthews is another guy. We had him on the show and Mm -hmm. Mike Matthews, very, very successful um, supplement company has sold a lot of books and he didn't know. I mean, he, he didn't know us except for the fact that we invited him on the show. He sits down and we start asking him questions about his business and he's the most transparent person you could ever – he'll tell you everything about yeah. how he's succeeding, how you get more more people to look over here, how you make a product better. He's telling us his numbers. And I remember thinking, like, this is a very confident, mm-hmm. like, awesome human being. He's not yeah. trying to hide everything. He's literally trying to give us all this information yeah. to help us. That was another great – I'd say another great person that, we,
1: that we've that we met. That's awesome. Mm. Any, yeah. any particular for you, Justin? Uh, for me –
3: it's it's the part of it is the relationships kind of going forward after that too. Yeah. So we just hosted a van up in Tahoe and we pretty much hand selected who we thought we connected with the most mm-hmm. uh, from podcasting with them. And um, I just, I enjoyed um, because it was such a diverse group of people. I mean, you had uh, you know, wellness side that was represented. Um, you had uh You had like somebody that was like really versed in kinesiology and uh, and a couple of doctors and you had somebody super successful with with his book that he written about business. And so it was just a very eclectic uh, group of people that were just very knowledgeable. But the thing is that was different from them is they didn't have the same... It was a relate a relatable sort of an ego to where we knew that they're very work driven, but they could also pull that back and be down to earth and hang out. And, um, you know, we could actually become like a network and befriend each other. And so I think that to me, those are way more valuable than a lot of the information that we've even received. Uh, you know, from some mind blowing, you know,
0: scientists that we brought on the show. Mm-hmm. You know who I missed that I did. I, the first person that ever made me emotional on a podcast where I almost started crying was listening to Justin Wren. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Tell his, his story. Um, he's an MMA fighter. Um, and had success doing that, and he had this vision when he was in uh, where is it at Africa? Where in Africa?
4: Uh, well, his vision is, with the pygmies. He yeah. was very
0: depressed, and when I had this vision of the Congo, the it was Congo, the Congo. Yes. it was the Congo,
4: and he uh, had this vision of these uh, 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 pygmies mm-hmm. who were who needed his help. So he flew out there and started building wells for them, and now has an organization, Excellent. a nonprofit that does that. But he's this big, strong X MMA fighter, beard, and he's—I've never met a man I wanted to hug more than him. That's when God him talking, talk, right there. Yeah, what a, he's a great, great, great human being. That's a good—that's a good one, Adam.
1: So my next question for you guys is: What do you do to balance the rational "gotta do, go, 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 get the job done"? with what I call the unrational or unbound play, something that has no outcome. What do you do that you don't have to have an outcome that it doesn't matter if it falls over, gets Mm squashed breaks, doesn't work out. We schedule it. It's
0: scheduled in our, so we have, obviously you're not looking at the full team here. um, But part of Katrina's job is to keep that in balance for us. And that's, you know, a, a lot of communication that I'll have with her. Like, Hey, it's time, you know. I'll tell her, and then she knows to go and and find like a, a VRBO, like a rent. We'll go rent a house, and we'll go somewhere, you know, a few hours, sometimes longer from here. And we all agree that we're going there to somewhat work, but we have no intentions. Like we're we're not going in there with like, oh, this is what we're gonna do. We yeah. have a schedule. It's like no agenda, no agenda. We're going there. We know every time we do this, and magic happens. Yeah. And this and a lot of this stemmed from we did it naturally the first time and didn't realize that we kind of hit this formula out the park. Um, it was reinforced after we uh, read Stealing Fire, had Jamie Will and learned about group flow. Yeah, And so we decided that this was a, an important piece to the success of the business was to incorporate these trips where we go with the intentions to get in group flow and allow whatever to come out. And it, it every time it's it's and sometimes we go up there and we have a little bit of an intention. Where we're like, hey, you know, we need to do this or something like that. And then but what's awesome is when we get there, we all allow it to take it wherever it goes. And never does it ever end up being what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Good. And and so I think that keeps the magic
1: alive. It does. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's an important exercise that we even, schedule it in. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. been cut. And, and before it was easy when we were first growing and there wasn't a lot of responsibilities and we didn't have a staff. But now it has become something that we're – if we don't put it on the calendar, like, okay, hey, in 30 or 60 days, block those three days out. We're getting out of here.
1: If you don't put it on the calendar, you find yourself burning out, right?
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And your
1: creativity goes down mm -hmm. and your juice goes down. You're like a phone that needs to be charged and you have to use the damn thing, but it won't work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. And so that's great that you guys learned that. I tell my – my patients, when I'm working with them, look, you have to identify first and foremost what times for you are sacred. Meal times for me are sacred. And if you start skipping meals, well, you're going to end up visiting doctors and spending money. Exercise is sacred. You got to move your body. Hey, hate, hate to tell you this, it's a fact. Um, so, meal times are sacred. Exercise times are sacred. Knowing how much work you can do. A week and be good at it is sacred and you have to say, okay, this is when I'm going to do it. Sleep times are sacred. Time for worship. For me, I think everybody should take some time to celebrate life and worship life. So when are you going to do that? Otherwise, you're just watching – you're driving by churches where other people are going to say thank you. Or, you know, you're overlooking the the opportunity to become a human being for a few minutes instead of doing, right? A human doing. So – It's – my point is is that I always work with people because most of the people that come to see me have some kind of a challenge going on. Usually they're very, very successful but they're working themselves to death and they've lost the connection with the the juice of life. They've just devoted themselves to making more and more money thinking that money would always make things better. But what are some of the things specifically that you do that when you're doing them – like I'll give you an example. When I'm stacking rocks – I could spend six hours making a beautiful big rock stack and people would be pulling over, taking pictures of it, telling me mm-hmm. how amazing it is and on multiple times, the last rock I put on it toppled the whole thing and I went, ah! <laughs> and then I went, ah-ha-ha-ha because I'm not supposed to care. When I catch myself getting frustrated and mm-hmm. I go, okay, now I am valuing Something as objective that should be unbound play. Mm-hmm. I've got to practice letting go of the outcome. Doing or I, for the
4: sake of doing. Doing,
1: yeah. I paint. Mm. And if I don't like the painting, I always just go inside myself and say – Let me be more creative. Great spirit. Show me how to make beauty where I'm not seeing the beauty. And I just allow it to unfold. I blow myself away. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, what are the things that you guys do where you don't have an attachment to the outcome?
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, Music for me.
1: Good. Music. Love it. I
3: play play on my guitar and I've still – there's times too where I've noticed like um, – it definitely, when when I have that a regular part of my life, there's more joy, joy in my life. And so for me just to escape downstairs and then just start messing around with the guitar, it just, it comes to me a lot of times and it's very creative process for me, but I just get, I get lost in that moment and I'm able to really, you know, be present. So for me, that's like, that's one of my, 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 my favorite things to do.
1: That's medicine, sure. isn't
4: yeah, it? Totally. For me, it's it's hanging out with my kids, either watching them or playing with them, and there's no goal. Sometimes I'll just watch them and just sit there, and there's no real time limit or or goal or whatever's going to happen happens, and I just find myself in that moment. Um, I can also get into that space, believe it or not, doing chores. Now I know that 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 you said it has to not have a particular goal, yeah. I'm but down. It, it is a sp- it is a, a space that I can get into where I'm washing dishes and I'm actually enjoying that i'm doing that not that i'm doing the dishes and they're getting done but I'm, I'm i'm doing it for the sake of the enjoyment of doing it sweeping is another one where i will go out in the back and i'll just sweep and it's not really even to finish anything it's just i'm in the moment enjoying it and it, it reminds me of those you ever been to those japanese gardens where they they comb the rocks and they yes yeah and it's beautiful. just it's just a it's just a type of meditation mm-hmm. with no real i do that in my yeah, rock garden yeah yeah
1: Hey, uh, you know, now as soon as Penny and Angie hear this interview, they're gonna invite you over for Christmas dinner because yes. <laughs> they're gonna say well, we, we yeah. have a very big meditation <laughs> for you here. Yeah. You, know, you opened up a can there,
0: dude. Up. <laughs> yeah. I, I you know, I, I love I love uh I love watching movies and sports. And it's it's I don't know if it's something that's been with me since I was a kid or what. Uh there's I I think I've identified the sport thing more than the movie thing. And, and I think I love to watch uh, competitive sports. To It's the greatest expression of, uh, of humans that we have. And, and to have to work together as a team, uh, I think it's so fascinating. And I, and I love the psychology of sports mm-hmm. and, and watching uh, a team that has an incredible organization, great leadership, great players, and then to watch them go and play against other great leaders and organizations and to see somebody there's something just so thrilling yet relaxing that i i enjoy with that and i i could sit down and and watch i mean on sundays i could watch seven hours of football because of that
1: i I know what you mean i i remember you know i when i was a kid my parents moved to canada when i was 12 i played hockey i was a goaltender but i remember the first time the russians played the canadians it was a big deal, right? It was the first time the best Russian players came against Canada's best with all their top NHL guys. And the Russian guys, man, were so unbelievably smooth. And they weren't near as big of an athlete, right? They're not as big, muscly, like the badass Canadian, will kick your ass type hockey players. But these guys were, again, like a pack of wolves. And they were doing backward passes into empty spaces and knew exactly who would be there wow. when and it was like watching a choreographed dance beautiful right and as the as the canadians were getting their asses kicked they started getting more and more violent and trying to knock you know pick fights with mm-hmm. the with the best players on the russian team to knock them out mm-hmm. but they could not overcome them and i remember one time the russians uh for, i can't if i remember right they were uh, had one guy in the penalty box And they were operating with four guys and still were scoring goals against uh, the Canadians. (laughs) Like, the people are going, oh, my God, this is not supposed to happen. So, yeah, you can watch the harmony of um, synchronicity and interaction with people, and it can bring you into a state of um, aesthetic appraisal, like looking at beautiful art, but it's moving, right? It's it's also what I have found
0: is one of my favorite parts about what we do here is, you know – I just absolutely love to see everybody else succeed in their role and their part of this this beautiful thing that we're building and that we've built. And I see a a major reflection of that in in great examples of great teams and great sports. And so uh, it's just so relaxing and entertaining and fulfilling all at the same time for me. I really – that's my – my Zen place, right? I just love to do it. And I, and I'm still recovering from an Achilles tear. Or else, mm. one of my favorite things to do is be by myself and shoot a basketball into a hoop. I could do mm. that for hours on hours. It's yeah. incredibly therapeutic. For me. Yeah, it
1: is. It's, it's, it's going to be a meditation. I have a basketball hoop behind the house. And sometimes when Paul jr. Comes, we'll play cause he likes basketball, but so it's good. But I want to congratulate you guys because for guys that are in a Western culture that are successful by, but you know, for sure. I mean, you guys are very successful at what you do. Nobody in the podcasting industry doesn't know who you are. I can promise you that. It's pretty impressive that you've learned the importance of unbound play and that you schedule time for it because most people have to go through a heart attack or loss of a business or something major if, and they still often don't learn it. So it's great that you guys learned it. I mean, look how many bands break up. Yeah, like because they get so stressed out, but they don't spend enough time playing together. I think right. I think
0: that's totally. I think that's where we're at in our life, Paul. I think that we've all we've all lost something great before, or all had success in other businesses. And I think we've because of that, it works so well because we've all kind of understood that there has to be a greater purpose, there has to be more to it. We have to be able to play, we have to be able to enjoy it. That I think that all those lessons were get, given to us in our earlier years, mm-hmm. and, and we say it all the time, like maybe if we all met at 25, this would have never worked. Yeah. But it was important that we all had these experiences uh, beforehand, before Mind Pump came together or else it wouldn't have been as successful and it won't continue to be as successful because we didn't have that past experiences to draw from and to discuss. And we also have this ability on those these these trips where we take take off is, you know, everybody is – brutally open and honest with each other uh, about all aspects of the business. Like we, we definitely don't ever hold back anything. And I think that we are all willing to receive that information and respect each other so much that uh, those, those not only do those things allow us to detach from the business, but it also allows us to level up and grow and evolve as humans.
1: Yeah. Good. Um, Well, I've got an interesting question for you at this point. Um, in my system that I teach, remember one, two, three, four, one love, two forces, three choices, there's mm-hmm. only three choices you can make in relationship to any person, place, or thing. The optimal choice is the one that's best for you and everybody on your dream team. The suboptimal choice is usually the one that gives you instant gratification because it causes some kind of stress or disconnection or pain on the dream team. The third choice is generally the worst, and that's to do nothing, mm-hmm. Right. Now, do nothing can have a positive application. I'm, I don't have enough no, uh, information to make an intelligent choice here. Mm. That's positive do nothing sure. until you get the education you need. Calling a timeout when, you know, you're in a heated argument and you can feel you're getting further and further away from the person and, and more and more pain is building up, then doing nothing is calling a timeout and walking away and saying, look, I need to step away because I'm getting further and further disconnected from you, and we're not getting to a resolution. I don't want to damage the relationship, so I'll come back when I have something meaningful to contribute. The worst form of doing nothing is apathy, which means to not care, and then and so you're choosing just just not be involved. Mm-hmm. Which you know that's the most dam- damaging thing you could do to a child is be apathetic to them. So my question for you guys is. I'd like to hear an incident from each of you where you made a suboptimal choice, gave yourself instant gratification, but later realized that it cost you a lot more than it was worth and inspired you to think much more deeply about doing that again in the future. Oh, uh, I, you, I know I've learned that lesson. Have you And it doesn't have, just, have to be the dream team of just you guys like your wife, your your I, family. No, you know. I got
0: it. I got it. So,
4: I got married very young. I was uh, 22 years old when I got married. Mm-hmm. And you know, in my early years, I was I'm, I'm a very ambitious individual, mm-hmm. but it was not balanced uh, no. in my younger years. It was all all the time. Yeah. Work, work all the time, push, and I uh, neglected the the balance i neglected my family and my wife at the time had uh, you know she would resent me over it and we'd fight over it and then and it turned into a 15-year situation where i worked more because i didn't want to be at home because things weren't good and it just got worse and worse and and it resulted in my divorce yeah um now which is the better option of where we were at that point but um, that lesson I learned that I don't I don't I, I will never I think have to learn again. I, I understand Good. the I importance. Learned that same of, lesson, buddy. I, I understand that the, the value of my family. Uh, you know, my ex-wife and I now. Uh, you know, we dual custody. We're both very involved with the children. I'm mm-hmm. more involved now as a divorced father than I was as a married father. Yeah. When I when I lived with them 100 percent of the time. Yeah. Um, and it's made me more of an effective human being as a side effect, which is pretty interesting. Now I, I can be mm-hmm. much more effective in a shorter period of time than I could before in a longer period of time. Um, but that's a lesson I think I'll never I'll never want to learn again, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I, I will just share with you, I learned the same lesson. And I worked so much as a young man. You know, my first son, Paul Jr., is 39, and he was born two weeks after I turned 18. And both of our parents had no money, so there was no one to support us. I had to make it happen. And unfortunately part of the kind of the challenge of my stepfather is is he the words good job were not in his vocabulary so i had to somehow prove to myself that i had worth and that i had something to share with the world and so i got very very deep into working ceaselessly at making something of myself and it came at the expense of having a son who Thought I loved work more than I loved him and a wife who thought I loved work more than I loved her which then led to resent amongst them toward me and pain and after 17 years we got a divorce but I, I as I grew up and realized that these people really just wanted to be with me because they love me and the amount of pain that they got you know honestly I was doing the best I could as a young man. I didn't know any better. right? But now that I look back, that's what wisdom is. It's like now guys like all of us can go to a younger person that we can see that in them and say, look, there's something, a little story we need to tell you here. Because we know what it's like to be in this position. We know what it's like to try to be successful, but we also know what it's like to try so hard you damage your relationships and you lose the sense of what life's really about. So uh, I, I'm only saying to you, Sal. I'm 100 percent with you on mm-hmm. that, and and uh, it, it's hard to say. I'm glad you learned that because it, it's painful to learn. Oh, that. extremely. But I'm grateful that you have. So, Justin, hit us. What's what's one of these choices that you made, and you later go, well, "I'm I'm going to be a lot wiser next time." <laughs>
3: yeah, that's. I mean, that's a tough question for me. I this is Paul. Check you talking. No, you're throwing them all at us today. <laughs> um, for me it's hard not to think of relationships, but I think, um, most recently it's, it's about the way that I manage my stress and the way that I take on, um, without creating space and, and, um, in terms of me finding rest and finding another operating system. And, um, so I think for me, like I was very driven and in, in I'm very focused and I had a lot of ideas that I still feel like I have just not come to fruition or reality And every day I wake up and I want to accomplish these things and at the expense of my family. And so that was a lesson that I I went through to where um, I was doing, I was doing a lot of things adjacent to mind pump at the time I was trying to um, create a, a product and, and going through the whole invention process and um, thinking my way through all the business of that, but being somewhat removed from that and trying to pour myself you know all within what we we're trying to accomplish, and then uh, as far as my hierarchy of priorities go, my family sort of gotten you know lower and lower on on yeah. the list, and I would come home and I would get a different reaction from my wife and a, and the kids would be a little removed, and uh, I would miss out on a lot of events and things that they accomplished and were really excited to tell me about. Yeah, And so that led up to like a moment where it was sort of a peak moment where I was about to launch this product. And inevitably I knew I just didn't have the marketing behind it. It just wasn't going to be something that I was going to see just take off, you know, like, and so that went down. And then I just, I just took, all the fall for that, my partners at the time in that business uh decided to put all the blame on me simultaneously and and so I took that on and and owned that and I you know if you guys like it' i 've just never been on a team before where people would uh immediately single you out and not identify where they could have helped and contributed more you know as well, so mm-hmm. that was really tough for me to to be, to have a loss and have like a public loss and then Mm -hmm. have all that going on with my family. And so I actually went to the hospital and had like manifested this, all this stress and it it created, uh, I, I thought something had ruptured And Mm. and I went in and, um, got, you know, got some pain medication and, and, and all my symptoms were gone and it was gone. And it just, it immediately revealed itself to me. It was, this was uh, immediate. This was all just external stress that I was taking on yeah. and didn't wasn't dealing with that properly. So anyways, like I, this year has been amazingly therapeutic. And I, it's because I've just, I, I've learned to say no. I've learned to not pursue and I've learned to just try to, to stay within, um, what's benefiting, uh, you know, my team and the people around me.
1: Your yes has no value until you learn to say no. And you have to have values, or you don't know when to say no. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's a fact. Mm-hmm. We we did we yeah. Uh, so I'll tell you mine. Yeah. So I got uh,
0: I had this pattern until I was twenty eight, and uh, don't what?
1: tell me masturbation. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, that's <laughs> still going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: <so laughs> still going, got yeah. that pattern. I'm not breaking that one. Uh,
0: I'm the oldest of five. Uh, my father committed suicide when I was seven. You and I have a
1: lot in common,
0: you know? I, I know that. I think that's why we connect so much. It's interesting. And I was immediately thrusted into this uh, father figure role. And at seven, you don't, you don't process that, right? You don't mm. put that together. I didn't put this together till way fucking later. Mm. Uh, and what that led to as a young adult when I began dating women was I sought out these relationships where I played the father role where I was the teacher yeah, and that never struck me as a bad thing or wrong or unhealthy thing ever. I just, you know, I just would end up dating a girl for a while. Then things would erupt and not go well. Then I move on to the next one. And then I just kept repeating this, mm-hmm. this pattern. And what I realized was that this was my own ego of, of wanting to be this father figure and this leader. And by feeding into that, by constantly dating the the women that were at, at this place in their life, it wasn't allowing me to really grow and flourish right. and move forward. And it wasn't until about 28 that I started to realize this and make this shift. And it was probably one of the most important things uh, that I ever did. And I think that what kept me from doing that was probably a lot of fear. I was probably afraid to date a woman that I thought would know more than me or that could mm-hmm. teach. That's teach... not unusual for men. I think this is very common and that's why I'm sharing this story because I, I see it a lot. I see, yeah. uh, and I I know why mine is. I know why it, it was such a strong pull for me uh, and and I know how important it was for me to dissolve that and I think a lot of people struggle with this and don't even realize this. I see it all the time in relationships where, it, and mainly because I, I was there, like I can see a relationship and I go like, oh, I, I know what you're feeding. You're feeding your ego for that relationship. You don't realize you're... You're not actually really serving yourself. And I, it took me along a lot of fucking bad relationships, you know, that that for me to start to put that together. And so um, now that I'm on this and I'm, I've been with uh, Katrina for seven years, she'll for sure be my life partner. Um, you know, I, I have a woman that I feel like is. On my level and in many aspects on a higher level. And so we have this beautiful synergy that we can teach each other and grow with each other. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny that I was probably so scared of that for so many years. But when I actually broke that down and I opened up and allowed myself to truly love and have someone like that, it's it's paid me in full 10 times and I couldn't be happier that I I pieced that together. But it did take 28 years of my life before I did.
1: (laughs) Well, Joseph Campbell says, the cave you fear to enter has the treasure you need the most. (laughs) Mm. Enter that cave. Yeah. Okay, so we're we're now moving to my four doctors. We've done one love, two forces, three choices. And I didn't go too much into the two forces because it's built into this. But let's do that. Let's jump back. Okay. I want to know. One thing from each of you where you now realize looking back that you were far too much yang other than the business stuff we've oh. talked about, but you've learned now to allow yourself. For example, hmm. um if you go to the gym and, and you think I- you're supposed to train and then you just give yourself permission to say, fuck, I'm just going to go get a massage.
2: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so where's something where you were full of fire other than the stuff we've talked about but now you're willing to give yourself some water.
4: Oh man, you 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 hit a, a huge one yeah, with with training, you know. One. Going to the gym and lifting weights till I couldn't lift the bar anymore mm. was how I operated. Yeah. And I remember the first time I realized that that was ineffective. I uh, was reading an article some I love reading old muscle building articles. Yeah because before steroids because oh, a, a lot of the information you get from those guys is the best
1: you have to see my collection i've got bodybuilding and weightlifting magazines going back in i think 1850s oh, 1840s God. oh wow oh, that's I heaven i those. would love that yeah so i remember reading and one of
4: the guy, one of the articles i don't remember who it was said you know you want to lift hard but not too hard because you want to have enough energy to train again the the day after and i yeah. thought to myself I wonder if I if I just didn't go to failure on every set. If I lifted but stopped a couple reps short of failure and I got stronger right away and my body started responding right away. And that's when I started to realize that there's there's a lot more finesse in in training than just beating the crap out of yourself. The second one would be with nutrition. I was always trying yeah. to gain muscle, uh-huh. always trying to get bigger. And so I would force feed myself and I'd eat as much as possible yeah. all the time to the point where I would set an alarm to go off in the middle of the night so I could wake up and drink. A weight gainer
1: shake. I've rehabbed many guys like you. Did you? Oh, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm exactly
4: like that, right? Um, and it took me a long time to realize that I'd build more muscle if I trained properly and didn't overeat than doing it the way I had done before. And so now I can eat less calories, much more healthy, and still build more muscle and more strength. And I learned how to kind of pull back and not just go yang. That's you know, perfect. Yang. Yeah. This,
0: is, this is part of what connected, I think, Sal and I is I think we – we shared this similar insecurity and I had the same thing where uh, mine was more about how I looked though, because I was the skinny I'm tall and lanky and I've always been that. And I was even more lanky and skinnier when I was a young kid. And I, it just used to drive me crazy if someone called me skinny. And so for many years, my training was driven by this false thing that I was trying to chase and and get after one of the things that bothered me most when we started this podcast was we just so happened to start it in the middle of my pro career as a men's physique guy so I was steroided up all built and looked crazy and so I I was known as the the meathead bodybuilder guy mm-hmm. and I was I was evolved past that and I felt that the audience didn't see that in me and it really bothered me because Mm -hmm. the only reason why I went to that extreme was I knew it would get attention. I knew that people would follow me on social media and I could use that audience to then put out a message more like this. So I had learned that lesson uh, a while back before I got into the bodybuilding thing. And I think that's what connected me to Sal so much was, you know, this drive to look a certain way and be big and the opposite of what I, so I've learned now that like, I don't even have to work out every single day or even maybe I'll take a whole week off and I'll do things with my family and my girl and, and, and feed other parts of me because I didn't at that point in my life early on when I was into weightlifting, it was the aesthetics and I wanted to look a certain part. And the more I got in touch with being healthy and serving my and feeding myself, I I realized there were so many other aspects to that than this addiction to the lifting the weights to get this big muscular look. So many times I'm going through this right now. It's a weird game. I play with myself just to challenge to make sure I have my ego in check. I allow myself to weight train two times a week, you know, get in there. I'm not pushing it hard. I'm not pushing the calories, feed my body when I'm, Feel like eating and allow myself to look like this kind of lanky body type that my body naturally kind of gravitates towards.
1: Well, you you actually uh, have some of the biggest arms I've ever seen on an intelligent man before. So for a guy who's back down, I'm like you know if I ever lose a leg, I'm gonna see if I can buy one of your fucking arms and just tack a foot on the end. Here, hold that
0: foot for me. So yeah, that was that. This is something that uh, I think really connected Sal and I a lot. Uh, was this. And I knew that about him right away. And we openly talked about that. And I said, yeah, man, much of my weight training and dieting and everything was driven. I didn't try and reduce body fat or get lean until I was 28 years old. So I spent the first 12 years of my lifting career in a permanent bulk, you know, trying to be bigger, trying to be bigger, trying to be bigger. And it wasn't until my late 20s did I break free of that and, and love myself for who I am and realize that true optimal health, is, that's definitely not an expression of that. And so, you know, even when I do it, but yet I still enjoy the artistry of building and sculpting a physique. And so I love to do that. I love yeah. to put my knowledge to practice, build and sculpt this physique that takes a lot of dedication and sacrifice nutritionally to look a certain way but then i also have the the self control and power to recognize that that cannot be my main driver and to allow myself to go the other direction and so i love to weave in, in and out of that now mm-hmm. but uh it took me a long time to put that together too
1: well you know one of the things i'll share with you guys since we're on that topic is i teach uh, charlie francis's 1 to 3% rule charlie francis was ben johnson's strength coach mm-hmm. charlie francis has the rule and he says If you can't improve on your last workout by 1% to 3%, you don't belong in a gym. Mm. And that's the philosophy that I teach and practice. Unless I go in the gym because I want to be there as a form of meditation or as a form of active relaxation versus trying to improve my deadlift or my chin-ups or my one-arm snatch or whatever I might be doing. And, and, uh, so, uh, I would just say that's something that you can pass on because, you know, if you can't grow by 1%, I mean, it's, it's, it's an imaginary number, but we all have a sense in ourselves of when we are doing better than our last workout, don't we? Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter. We don't need to know the weight, but we can feel it mm-hmm. inside. And if you don't come to a gym ready, To put yourself in that place, which always means you have got to somehow perform better than your last time in the gym. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to do that if you're not a little bit better put together in some aspect of your life that's decreasing stress and giving you more to put into the project. So um, that was just a little something I I felt inspired to share. Now, I'm going to ask you an interesting couple of questions. My goal is to get through before we have to wrap it up. Each of the four doctors – so we'll start with Dr. Happiness, Quiet Diet Movement. So kind of a a question on each one of those. But here's one for you. Dr. Happiness is the chief of the four doctors because if you don't define what happiness is for you, how will he ever know when you're happy, Mm -hmm. right? And and I think you'd all agree most people haven't defined what happiness is. And we have also got a lot of people in the world who think – Happiness is only present if there's an absence of pain,
2: mm.
1: you, you know, you know that mindset, mm-hmm. like I'm only happy when, and then you tell me the time I'm not happy, I'm something else, I'm depressed, I'm sad, I'm angry or whatever. What would you say is a way that, how do you guys create, what is it that makes sustainable happiness for you that's uh, the happiness that can endure the loss of money, the loss of a loved one? Uh, the, the loss of things that usually make mm-hmm. people all of a sudden think they're not happy. Do you have a concept like that? I mean, what what is s- sustainable happiness for you? If you were saying to somebody, a young man like your son, Sal, when you have to say, "Son, I need to teach you what happiness really is." It's meaning. Yeah. It, Good.
4: It's, it's 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 meaning and purpose is what gets you through the 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 hard time the good times don't need you don't need purpose and meaning necessarily because it's no, you're, you're you're having feeling, a good time. you're having a good time <laughs> it's the it's the it's the hard shit that you got to get through and meaning will do that so you ask what will get you through the loss of a loved one the loss of your job or whatever am i living a life of meaning yeah am i and for me what that means is am i making the world a better place. Am I being kind to people? Am I finding meaning in the relationships that I have and the conversations that I have? Is there a purpose behind them? Uh, am I able to abstain from uh, the pleasures when I need to because of the meaning? Am I able to push through the difficult times because I have meaning? That's th- that's the way I've commun- I've already communicated this to both to both my children.
1: That's great. We've yeah.
4: had this conversation. So it's, it's all about meaning. So, yeah.
1: your formula if I had to say Sal, mm. if I wrote Sal's formula down, mm. happiness is equivalent to three lines, you know, that sign, mm-hmm. equivalent to meaningful engagement, meaningful life, meaningful living, living, yes, mm. meaningful living. So, yes, living attached to meaning.
4: Yes, absolutely. Good. Yeah.
1: That's a good one. I, and I agree with that. That's actually a component of what's important to me too. Because if you don't have a sense of meaning, how do you get past the physical inhibitions that pain of any kind creates? All you'd ever do is seek out uh pleasure. If nothing
4: has meaning, if pain has to have meaning, challenge has meaning. If those things don't have meaning, then all you'd ever do is be on drugs all the time. Yeah, the, be- real, the real
1: warrior wins with a limp. Mm. He's in pain, but he's still winning. Yeah. Right? Everyone else says, I'm hurt. So, yeah, I agree totally. And I think that's a beautiful contribution. I think for everyone listening, you just heard true wisdom. Mm. True wisdom that usually—I am the oldest one. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mine,
0: mine's different. So I was totally going to say it, it, that. It usually uh, takes—but he beat me to it.
1: It usually takes people a long time to get to that. But you know what he did, as a good big brother would—he put you in a situation to go deeper in yourself.
0: Ooh, ooh! I can tell you that. Oh, I'll oh, go ahead, Justin. You have oh. yours.
2: Well, you, oh, you, well, I was if, just going to say, if for you're me, not ready, you can meditate no, for, hap- hap- for hap-
3: happiness. To me, I—I uh, I look at delayed gratification. So uh, for me, I want to challenge myself. In,
1: that means you're very good in bed, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick to answer I, that I one. heard stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honey, I can delay my <laughs> gratification <laughs> the,
0: the internet until, you,
1: until you're on fire. <laughs> oh, tantric.
0: Yeah, very tantric.
3: Um,
1: Stop!
3: <laughs> <laughs> I've just noticed that I don't get and and although you experience the very very highs of impulsive happiness uh they just for me they just don't even compare to a delayed process where i understood each and every step that it took for me to climb up to that that pinnacle feeling yeah if i were to just pin happiness to a feeling
1: mm-hmm.
3: um but i mean in terms of how I live my life and and, and I try to aspire to be better myself and then in impact people around me as a result of that. I want everybody to go through that same process and reach happiness because of the fact of the process and really like owning the process and going through that to earn that, 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 that feeling of, of ultimate joy and, and peace
1: And what you're describing really in in, in archetypal form is the hero's journey. Exactly. I I do. I subscribe to that. There's bumps on the way, right, in the hero's journey. Uh, You know, there's the the cave you fear to enter. There's the guardian at the threshold. You know, like when I was traveling around the world lecturing in medical conferences all over the world and chiropractic and osteopathic and who's this guy that doesn't have a college degree and he's telling us everything we're doing is all fucked up. You know, they were coming at me tooth and nail. I I had to I had to be real or I would have been terminated in public, right? Mm. And it forced me to go deep into myself and know that if I step up there and pretend to be somebody that I can't back up, I'm going to make a public fool out of myself. And so there is that hero's journey and I think a lot of people as soon as they meet a little resistance on the hero's journey, they just want to medicate it and give up, mm-hmm. but not realizing that's there to teach you, right? Yeah. If it hurts going north, try going northeast and see if it feels less painful as a metaphor. But people just want to numb the pain. Pain is a mm-hmm. very
4: powerful teacher. And,
1: yeah. and look, we've all had enough relationships with women to know that a long-term relationship, is it comes with work, and it comes with commitment. And when you're in an intimate long-term relationship with someone their family becomes your family. So their pain becomes your pain. So you usually double the number of people whose pain you can feel very deeply. So if a person's constantly trying to medicate the pain, they don't really get deep into the commitment of love. They don't get deep into mm-hmm. their creativity. They don't get deep into their capacity to develop uh, virtue, right? To, to, to be reliable, to be consistent, to be honest. So it can be. Tricky, so it's 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 good. We to define these things. Did we all get to pitch in?
0: Adam didn't. Yeah, mine's a little bit different. I think so. I think uh, he's all five billion dollars.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'll be very happy forever, <laughs> and I will be able to, afford to and numb curse, all my yeah. pains. <laughs>
0: you know, I think it's it's kind of weird cause when I when you said it. I the first thing that came to mind is uh, before Sal started talking about meaning was was harmony for me, and. Maybe this is why I'm so drawn to the the sports and, and to see a team that harmoniously works together towards a goal. It's also what gives me the greatest happiness. And what we do here is I love I, I catch myself doing this all the time. There'll be times in here where there's seven, eight uh, people in here that are all working towards this goal. And I'll kind of step away, and I I really relish in the moment, and and try to appreciate all of this because it is what I know feeds my soul and gives me happiness on a daily basis. I just absolutely love to see all these people working together uh, for a greater good, a greater goal, and it's. Uh, it I mean, it almost chokes me up talking about it. It's to that's me, it's good, man. That's great. soul food. Well, and then I just feel like that's. That's what when you say that, that's what speaks to me, and it makes sense to me because of the things that I'm drawn to and how passionate I feel. Like when I again, when I look at the sports analogy, I don't just see a bunch of really talented players. I see somebody somewhere there is is le- leading these these group of men in in this direction, and the ability for all of them to dissolve their egos and work together. To be dominant or great Mm -hmm. uh, is one of the coolest expressions to watch. And I think it's one of the coolest things that I uh, am blessed to do and be a part of every day here.
1: Yeah, that's gorgeous. That's lovely. And and thank you all for sharing that. I think these are very important things for people to understand before they have to learn the hard way to embrace the hard way. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Joseph Campbell uh, speaks of bliss and he says, bliss. Has a root word, or a, I think it's called an etymology, the beginnings of the word that are rooted in pain. And he explains in his teachings that you cannot get to bliss until you make it through pain. And I think that, you know, like when I used to race motocross, my hands hurt so freaking bad by the end of a, uh, of a, like a 45 minute moto. I mean, I was barely able to hold on to my motorcycle. I'm riding as fast. Fast as I can freaking ride and literally I would pull into the pits and I could not open my hands my muscles had gone into tetany and somebody would have to grab my fingers and pry them off the bars and I would have to put up sometimes for 10 laps of this where I'm like I don't even know if the bike will be here when I land the next jump I had to commit myself fully to working through the pain and imagine what it takes for a woman to you know, like my little Angie gained 75 pounds. She's five foot two and she was just huge and everyone thought she was going to have twins. And to see her just waddling and hear her breathing <laughs> faster, like she was lift, lifting weights or something, just walking around. I now that's commitment, right? And that's that she's happy as a clam, but there's pain attached to it, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. And that's what I think our culture has been drugged out of appreciating. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely know? agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next is we've talked. You know, we, I was going to go to Doctor Movement, but we've we've all shared lessons in Doctor Movement, so I think we all appreciate the need and importance of movement and what we can learn. But Doctor Quiet, you know, I I'm I'm coined I'm, I coined a term called working in because I saw people getting lost in working out and doing something else too, looking at themselves in the mirror and being so disgusted that they were being very critical and mm. judgmental of themselves because they thought if they would just work out, that would go away. So they weren't working out. So they were critical of themselves, which puts lots of emotional stress and judgment on themselves and actually stresses them out and makes them unhealthier. So I, after studying Taoism and, and uh, Self-Realization Fellowship, and some forms of martial arts and uh, studying with master fong ha who if you guys aren't familiar with go to master uh, go to fong dot com. he's an amazing master who's an actual master in the lineage of chinese masters and i found him doing research on chi, uh, tai chi and qigong and found out that he was in san francisco and asked him if i could pay him to to train me and to teach me and, and guide me because I wanted to understand deeply these principles because I was writing my book, How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy. And I, even though I knew people needed more of this, I didn't have enough authentic experience of these dynamic Eastern inner arts to speak of them with any authority. So I hired, I, I went and intended to hire him, but he I said, come on down. I'd love to help. So he, became my master and I studied under him until I felt like I had what I needed and was ready to write my book and live that way. Mm -hmm. So that that's when I realized we, from the experiences I had with him, I learned and practicing what he taught me to practice, I learned we have a huge, huge vista. Everything we call spiritual development is an inside job. Right, For me to be better with you in relationship outside, I have to first get clear inside and make that change in here. Uh, we, we agreed to love someone else better. You got to first learn to love yourself better. So that's an inside job. Spiritual growth is mm-hmm. – it's an inside job. And Dr. Quiet is all about spending time with yourself, listening to your own voice and discerning which of those voices is worth listening to and which of them is just a broken child inside of you or a victim or a saboteur or a prostitute so working in is everything from knowing when you're tired and need to rest to realizing that the only way you can enhance the performance of your mind in active process is to learn to stop using it and rest it and calm it and sharpen it focus it through relaxation so anything of that nature is what I call working in. Mm. So with that sort of categorization, what have you learned about the necessity of working in and how valuable is it in your life now?
4: Uh, I
1: actually, we talked
4: about this recently on one of our episodes. You, I've been consistently working out with weights since I was 14. And, uh, you know, in comes a smartphone, not really that long ago, if you think about it. I, when was the first iPhone? Was it 10 years ago? Probably. Maybe, maybe about 10 years ago. So about 10 years ago, I get my first smartphone. I have access to the internet. I love information. I love consuming information. And so what ended up happening with my workouts is I'd work out and in between sets, I'd be on my phone reading and then it became part of my work. And I recently just realized how much of, how much that is taken away from my workout, because my workout for me many times is a meditation. Yeah. I'm in there. I'm working out. I'm actually oblivious to yeah, what's strange. happening around me. Um, and in between sets is when I sit there and I'm with my own thoughts and with my own mm-hmm. self. Good. So I put my phone down and I stop looking at it and the workouts gain that, that value again. Mm. And that other thing I do is I just got an infrared sauna uh, in my home. And in the sauna, it kind of forces me to sit still yep. for 30 minutes and have nothing to do but sit there with myself. And so I sit there and I close my eyes and my goal is to empty uh, my mind or allow my allow thoughts to pass through without any judgment or really pausing at any of them, which is very difficult to do. But I found that to be a an excellent way that I get to work in. But yeah. I, and I'm – That is a a phrase that I use quite a bit, and I I do make sure to tell people that you came up with that. But I like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it's it's critical and uh, it's lovely. Those are amazing things, and when we grow into those awarenesses and practices, we can look back and realize we've actually grown. That we can actually, and then now we know what it means to grow, and it inspires us to. Be More um, open to those possibilities instead of waiting till we're hurting really bad or broken in a relationship, we can see ah,
4: you know, what makes it hard is for, for people who are ambitious or goal oriented to sit still and to work in mm-hmm. can be very difficult because it can feel like I got 30, 30 minutes of doing, you know, nothing. They'll think, Yeah, I can't do that. I need, I have all the stuff to do. Yeah. But you know, we recently we hired a marketing team, and one of the things that the, the guy that, that we hired uh, works for us likes to say is that he wants us to be able to train this is with our marketing. We want to be able to trade uh, dimes for quarters. In other mm-hmm. words, for every 10 cents you invest, you want to get 25 cents back. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with working in. Yeah. What you find is when you spend 20 or 30 minutes a day or an hour a day on working in, you actually find, uh, you know, two times as much productivity come back. Yeah. So it's a kind of a, an interesting paradox. You think, oh, I'm going to take some time to sit in the sauna and relax, or I'm not going to work while I'm working out. But the reality is, you become more effective on top of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, work working in grows the being in the suit. Working out grows the suit. Hmm. Right. You go to the gym and work out, you change your body, you change your suit, but you may not have changed the person on the inside. Bodybuilding,
4: (laughs) soul building. As I say, I don't care if
1: you can squat a thousand pounds if you can't get along with your wife and kids. Mm. (laughs) You haven't got shit. (laughs) Except a woman that'll kick your ass. (laughs) (laughs) See this dude running down the street, she's got a frying pan in her hand. No more sex for you. So uh, same with you, Justin, what has Dr. Quiet taught you about the value of working in and how, how do you uh, make I've, it happen?
3: Yeah. I fall into that category of the uh, uh, athletics and, you know, super type A, like driven, driven, driven um was really tough for me. So this is, this is definitely uh, a practice that I'm still working on this year and, and within the process of also like learning to say no and like create more time and more space um and not pour myself uh without filling myself back up. <clears throat> I've learned to now it's, it's a scheduling process. It's, it's, it's a ritual of me coming home, grabbing the dog, going out for a nature hike. I live in, in the redwoods. This has mm. always been something that I have no idea why, but I've just had this peace about living underneath like, these huge trees and just uh, being able to be in, in a different environment where I could look uh, very far. And and for mm-hmm. me, that's, that's very calming. And so that's part of the ritual. Then coming back, um, you know, having my own time downstairs in the office and then working on breathing. If I, if I'm diligent about it and I, I will work on uh, some belly breathing and some, some breathing like that on the floor and just try to then, relax and and just get to that place where I'm, I'm, I'm at least a lot of the chatter in my head has at least calmed down somewhat. I've still got a lot of work to do, but it is, it is something I have found now is also a performance enhancement in terms of all these other factors, you know, with my relationships, with my progress in the gym, with, um, the way i manage stress. Um, it's just the way that I interact with my kids. So it's just, reveals itself as being super important already, but I've got to be honest, it's a new practice for me. So,
1: Well, I'll give you a quick practice you can do. One, if you get yourself an infrared sauna, he can tell you they're very great meditation centers, aren't Mm -hmm. they? Absolutely. I call it my man cave. Oh, it's a phenomenal place to meditate. Absolutely. And uh, it takes you nice and deep. It makes it easy to get out of the shell of the Mm -hmm. skin suit. Yeah. But um, if you just, anytime you can just, practice the tone scale do re mi fa sol la ti either by singing it or humming it and just try to make the part of your vo- body vibrate that represents that chakra do is the root chakra re fa so, la ti seven all the way up to the top crown chakra ti so you just see that's down on my sacrum mm-hmm. So do I'm just going do, then you gotta ray ray Ray. Well, That's too low. (laughs) You gotta get that right in your sex organs, or right Mm, below your belly, right below your belly button. That Mm. feels good. And then me, me, me. 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 Nope, too high. Just say. So it trains you to use vibration to lock into the frequency of the different energy centers of your body. And you can actually feel them easily begin to resonate when you're on frequency with them. You can shake your balls with your own voice. You can put energy right down into your feet. Practicing. And so this brings you (laughs) into a a deep awareness of the power of your own voice and your own sounds to heal yourself. And it brings your conscious awareness into yourself. And you don't need any equipment because you're the equipment and it can take you into deep meditative states. And you'll find very frequently that there's a tone or more that you just can't get to come out of you. Like you try to go, ah, this is not there. So then you just jump to the next one. Start with the ones that you're good at. That, mm. that represents the parts of you that are in harmony. Mm. And you work with the harmony. And then you say, okay, now let me go back there. And you'll find that within sometimes as little as three minutes to ten minutes, you can bring everything online, and it's as though you've been steam cleaned from the inside. Your mind is clear. You can relax better. You're breathing better. You're centered in your body, and it can you know you can do an amazing thing in ten minutes. And then if you got kids and you get them to do it with you, I, I used to get professional athletes. I'd have like eight, ten people in the sauna sports organizations or wherever I was traveling. And I would teach them to chant Om and various things. And they'd get high as a friggin' kite. they are go, oh my God, man. That was like the most spiritual experience I've ever had. Right. And I was just sitting in this sauna or the steam room. You closed me. I'm in. <laughs> it's yeah. lovely. Yeah. yeah. But that's great. You know, that's that's good that you're aware and you're in that phase of saying, okay, I, I, I got to find ways to balance myself out is what I'm hearing.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: And how old are you? 38. 38. Uh, 38. Yeah. It's that time. It's that time. If you wait too much longer, you'll just start getting too um Died. tired. <laughs> <laughs> too dead. Yeah. But, too tired yeah. And, and making excuses about why you don't have time to do things and then you then it gets hard because even working in just becomes on that list of things we don't have time to do, right? Right. It's just work. Yeah. Yeah. It's another goddamn thing I gotta do. I wanna drink beer or whatever the person wants, right?
3: Yeah.
1: Working in. What have I learned? Adam. I tell
0: you what, I've been I've been practicing prayer or meditation Mm. since I was very young. Good. And I think that um, I think I had it backwards as a kid. I think I spent a lot of time. uh, We pray out or we ask God for help when in times of need or when we're struggling. And it's at those times, I think the easiest to reflect on ourselves, because how did we get here? Uh, As I evolved and got older I think I looked at the meditation practice or prayer a little bit different. And I think the best lesson that I've ever learned is that my, my greatest strength is my greatest weakness. And I say that a lot on our podcast, and I don't think a lot of people really understand to what extent I mean that. And I think that it's really easy, again, to look at the things uh, in our life when, when when we are at the bottom of the barrel, we look up and look desperate for help. But I think it's most challenging when, we're having success and life is so grand and every, you think everything is going uh, perfect perfect, or you're winning all the time mm-hmm. or you're having a lot of monetary success, uh, your greatest strength is your greatest weakness is because I believe that when those, in those moments, there's, everything's got to work uh, harmoniously. And when you're, when you're extremely great at things, in my experience, there tends to be other parts of your life that are out of balance or out of whack or that you're depriving and that could mm-hmm. be a, a loved one mm-hmm. that could be other aspects of health that that feed you yep. it could be something that feeds your soul it could be a lot of things mm-hmm. and when we become when we become experts or the greatest of all time at something we tend to give somewhere else and so it's at those moments that i find the greatest growth happens when i have the ability to look at something that maybe I'm being praised for, I'm towing, telling, oh, I'm doing great, I'm making all this money, is to say, okay, what, what is being sacrificed in order for this? Yeah. I think that keeps me...
1: The yin of the yang. Right. What's, what's uh, being absorbed, or, or shall we say, exactly like you say, you can only commit in one direction or way without having to tend, like, look, if, you're, if you want to be a, uh, the best martial artist in the world and it takes so much time that you forget to water your garden, there's going to be a cost when you go out in the garden mm-hmm. and you'll say, I'm the best martial artist in the world, but all my tomatoes are dead. <laughs> yeah. So there's always, not worth it. you know, whenever we, wherever, whatever direction we shine light in, it's almost like we have to pull from that. We have to create some darkness mm-hmm. somewhere else. Mm-hmm. There's just no way around it. So knowing that we don't have a lot of time left, I'm going to ask you a very simple question, but I'm going to, Put it to you this way.
0: I'm going to put it in a complex way.
1: I'm going to ask you a very simple question, <laughs> well, but I'm going to word it in a very
0: yeah. complex way. Well, when when consciousness. To <laughs> I'm going to
1: set you up for the answer. The, 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 the question is... I love you, Paul. It, there's yeah.
3: a multiverse. I, okay, let's go.
1: It's good. We're it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, what I'm going to say is this. If you, for some reason, knew you were going to die in five minutes and you just figured it out while you were having this interview and you wanted to say something to the people of the world oh, that was important for you oh you left
4: the easy one wow.
1: <laughs> like what's your what's your message going out to whoever's left on this planet oh, wow. cuz you're going to leave one day mm. and there's going to be people of all ages that are going to miss you and there's an opportunity now with communications technology that this very recording could reach children in Africa on mm-hmm. cell phones to tomorrow or mm-hmm. in a day when you may be gone so if you have a message for the people of the world on the assumption you'll be gone in five minutes what is it well if, if you go off
0: of that and the way you talk about we are all these examples or uh, if life is this big game and we're all giving god a different perspective yeah. of that game and if you subscribe to that which i can get down with that I think that what I said earlier, which is if you're not having fun doing it, you're doing it wrong. I really think that that is it. I don't think God would want to play a game and it'd be miserable and depressing and and headache and hardship and anger. And I don't think that that I think that's probably one of his least favorite players to play. Mm -hmm. And if I want to play this to its fullest, then I got to be having fun while I do it. Yeah. And I think Figuring out what that is or what that means to you, Mm -hmm. I think, is uh, really important. And nobody else can tell you otherwise. You have to truly believe it in your heart that that's what fun is to you.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Great. So the message is, make sure you figure out what true fun is for you, Mm -hmm. what's meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. Mm. That's
3: tough.
4: Anything, Sal? Yeah. um, I would say take care of yourself like someone you care about. Yeah. Just a very simple, because if we all did that, I think
1: things would be a lot better. If we actually treated ourselves like somebody we actually cared about. I think if we treated ourselves like someone we actually care about, we'd inherently realize we need to treat the world the same way. That's what I mean. Hmm. Because once, once you do that, then, the, then you the have rest the realization at that point. That's right.
3: That's right. I think listen more, talk less.
1: Yeah, we have two ears and one mouth, right? That's what some wise men once said. He said, son, you got two ears and one mouth. You're supposed to listen twice as much as you talk.
4: Mm-hmm. Use them in proportion. That's yeah. what I my... And
1: lead uh, lead
3: with love. But I mean, that's sort of cheesy. But... <laughs> it's like a Hallmark card. You, you know, it's like, I, I, wanna ex- I just want to think the best out of people before, um, you know, they prove me wrong.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, leading with love means leading with loving intention, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Because we can't. We, we aren't responsible for whether else, whether someone else feels loved by us or not. We can't control that. Like mm. we, we say things on this podcast that are really our loving intention, but there will be some people that listen to a guy like me. And I know if sometimes you guys too can get out there and they're going to just think we're the antichrist and whatever. Sure. Yeah. But if we, if we have loving intent, well, then God is there. Then mm-hmm. God's there. Excellent. I love you guys. Thank you, thank love you, Paul. It. We love, for, love you too, Paul. Love you too, for the ability to share life with you, and uh, thank you to uh, Doug, and thank you Eli too for all your support in the background and the invisible. And thank you to Tyler. Taylor. 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 Mm-hmm. And thank you to the manufacturers of the volcano. <laughs> <laughs> Special ups. <laughs> if you get sponsored by them, Paul, <laughs> so I'm going to – I'm actually going to call them right away. That would be I'm amazing. Because like, I can get behind that. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. that was Thanks, good guys. Ball. Thank wow. you, guys. Good job, Good man. time, man. So it's fun.
2: So- Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guests, Sal, Adam, and Justin from Mind Pump Media. You can find them online at mindpumpmedia.com and listen to the Mind Pump podcast through all the usual channels. Follow Paul on Instagram and Twitter at living 4 D Podcast or on YouTube. Search for Living4D with Paul Check. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com, that's P-A-U-L-C-H-E-K-S-B-L-O-G.com, and also the Czech Institute's blog at czechinstitute.com forward slash blog, that's Czech spelled C H E K.